you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. I'm going to attempt to preach through the entire Bible in a few minutes. And uh, y'all pray for me. If you'll listen fast, I'll preach fast. Amen. And, uh, you know, um, Memorial Day became real, uh, even more real to one of the families, the Kitchens families, uh, as uh, Jacob Dennis, I think it's been about 10 years, Miss Trudy, I don't know how many years it's been, but time flies, but I went to his funeral, he was a young man serving in Afghanistan, and then I went to the graveside, and that was a very moving uh, ceremony, but you know something folks, it, it's real, that young men have died for our freedom, and if there's any day that you ought to be in church, I think it ought to be on this day to con- commemorate their sacrifice, and of course, we wouldn't, none of us be here or saved if it wasn't for the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, amen. and uh, I want to preach uh, on divine, a divine reminder, there is something that's repeated over and over and over again in the Bible, if you do not see this in the Bible, you need to reread your Bible, by the way, we need to pray for um, uh, Brother Bill Clary, uh, he had a heart attack and he has pneumonia and he's in very critical shape and as Nancy promised the family that we'd be praying for them. So I want you to pray for them. Come back at 540 and pray in the prayer room for this family. Amen. Pray for Bill. I've met him uh, on several occasions. But, you know, uh, repetition is the best teacher. Amen. Uh, if you don't believe that, go to school. You're going to hear again and again and again um, uh, the same lessons. It's a fundamental, um, basic fundamental law of learning. Repeat it. And keep on repeating it till you get it. If you don't believe that, uh, think about all the money that's spent on commercials. And they repeat that message over and over again. Amen. I don't even like orange juice. But the other day I started saying, man, I need to go get me some orange juice. I saw these commercials. And, uh, uh, it, it, you know, a preacher asked another preacher how he made a point stick. And he thought a while and he replied, well, first of all, I tell them what I'm going to tell them. And secondly, he said, I tell them. And after I tell them what I'm going to tell them, I turn around and tell them what I've just told them. That's called repetition. <laughs> Amen. I hope it's not redundancy, but I'm telling you, the Bible is full of its divine rem- reminder. So I want us to turn to 1 uh, John chapter 1, verse 7. Then we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24 through 26. So let's stay in awe of the Word of God, and I'll read one verse, and then uh, I'll, of course, read uh, the verses that we read before the Lord's Supper every time we take it on the first Sunday night of every month. The Bible says, but if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. I want you all to read that verse with me, if you would, please. But it says, but if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. And you may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you, God, for this truth, a divine reminder. As we're reminded every Memorial Day of those that paid the ultimate price, God, thank you that every time we open the Bible, we ought to be reminded that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all sin. 
And thank you, God, for this crimson cord that runs from Genesis to Revelation to remind us of the sacrifice of the Lamb of God who took our sin debt that we could never pay and, Lord, give us a path to heaven. And, Lord, give us the hope of heaven. And, Lord, we thank you for your blood. We thank you that your blood paves the way to heaven and there's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved than Jesus Christ. So, Lord, help us to be reminded this morning of this truth, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you'll turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Bible says that when he had given thanks, verse 24, he break it, that's the bread, and he take, eat this my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. Verse 25 says this, the same manner also he took the cup while he was while he supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament of my blood. Uh, this do in often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You know, I believe that um, we need to remember. Somebody asked a lady one time about what was wrong with America. And she said, I don't care, I don't know, and I don't care. And I want to tell you something, friend, that's the problem. We don't know our history. We don't know how indebted we are to men and ladies and boys and girls that did without their parents, uh, that gave their life. And folks, this is more than just having a picnic tomorrow. It's more than just uh, flag waving. It is a sacrifice that we ought to remember. But the sacrifice that we ought to always remember and we ought to take advantage of and believe in is the Lord Jesus Christ dying in your place and shedding your blood. The blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses from all sin. Uh, remember when you used to get in trouble in school? I know none of you got in trouble in school. I remember I got in trouble terribly in school twice for throwing spitballs. One time the coach took a razor blade strap and took me into his office and wore me out because I threw a spitball. Amen? I mean, that was capital punishment. I thought he overdid it. And uh, But another teacher one time when I threw a spitball, I must have had a thing about it, um, she made me stay after class and write 100 times on a blackboard. Now, we don't have blackboards anymore, they're whiteboards. But in my day, they were blackboards and had that squeaky chalk and you wrote on it and you had dust everywhere. And I had to write 100 times, I will never throw another spitball in class. Well, I didn't know what to do uh, with my time, so I took four pieces of chalk between my uh, hands and I wrote them f four lines at a time. You couldn't read it, but I wrote it, and uh, that was repetition. That teacher knew that I needed to be reminded not to do such crazy things. And folks, the teacher of all teachers is the Holy Ghost. In John chapter 14, verse 26, it says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. So ultimately, folks, the great teacher of all time is the Holy Spirit, and he knows there's a fundamental teaching rule that you need to repeat something over and over for you to get it. And the Holy Spirit all through the Bible has this theme, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all sin. And I want to look at that through the, through the Word of God, and you'll see illustration after illustration, type after type, declaration after declaration, revelation after revelation, that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all sin. 
I want you to see, for instance, what we call the uh, Old Testament. And we see the law, and it's, and it's divided in three sections, the prophets and the Psalms. The law is the first five books of the Old Testament. It's called the Pentateuch. And the heart of the law, in my opinion, is the book of Leviticus. And I think the heart of the book of Leviticus is the description of the feast. And the heart of the feast is the day of atonement. And uh, once a year, the, the priest would go into the holies of holies and sacrifice the blood for the sin of the people. And I believe the heart of the day of a description of the day of atonement, uh, atonement is found in Genesis chapter 17, or excuse me, Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. So read it with me if you got it. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. The Bible says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement or covering over your sins for your soul. And so the heart of the uh, Pentateuch is the, 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 is the day of atonement, and it's in, the, in the heart of that, the Holy Spirit was saying that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all sin. You go to the second division of the Old Testament. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 53. My favorite chapter in the Old Testament, I believe, especially when witnessing to Jews. This will help them and help them see the gospel. But Isaiah 53, I believe, is the second division of the Old Testament. And the heart of the prophets is found in this, in this chapter in verse 5 and 6. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we're healed. That's talking about spiritual healing, by the way. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have all turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You've got to get on that first all, all have sinned. But you can get out of that by all can be saved, that whosoever will can believe that Jesus Christ took all your sins. So what's the Holy Spirit saying in the heart of the prophets? He's saying that the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses from all sin. If you'll go with me to Psalms chapter 22, you'll see the third division of the Old Testament, the poetry, and you'll see the uh, Psalms. In Psalms chapter 22, uh, I want you to look at verse um, 1. Now, in Psalms 22, you see the suffering Savior. Psalms 23, you see the good shepherd. In Psalms 24, you see the chief shepherd, the Lord's coming, say amen. But what is the Holy Spirit saying in verse 1 of chapter 22 of Psalms? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Now Jesus quoted that on the cross. And I believe the Holy Spirit was saying by implication that the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses from all sin. Now let's journey over to the New Testament. And it's divided into three sections, the Gospel, the Epistles, and the book of Revelation. And I believe the heart of the Gospel is the book of John. And I believe the heart of John is the book of John chapter 3 and and verse 14 through 16. Brother Cody, I believe that's it. It says in verse 14, And as the Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Thank God for those verses. I memorized those before I got saved. What's the Holy Spirit saying in the heart of the Gospels? The same thing he said in the heart of the law. The same thing he said in the heart of the prophets. The same thing he said in the heart of the Psalms. He's saying that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all sin. You go to the second division of the book of uh, the New Testament. You go to Romans. And uh, we see the epistles. And I believe the heart of the epistles is Romans. What a great book. In chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. You with me, Diego? Amen. Praise God. Glad you got that new Bible. The Bible says in verse 8, But God commended His love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by His blood, shall... We shall be saved from the wrath through him. There's only one way to miss hell, and that's because Jesus Christ took your hell on the cross of Calvary. Amen. The only way you can miss hell and go to heaven is not working your way, but accepting the finished work of the cross of Calvary. Amen? Right. And folks, uh, um, uh, the Holy Spirit is saying the same thing he said in the heart of the Gospels, same thing he said in the heart of the law. Same thing he said in the heart of the prophets. Same thing he said in the heart of the Psalms. That the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. And that we're justified by his blood. When you're saved, it's just if I'd never sinned. And as though I've always been righteous. Thank God for that. Then the last division of the New Testament is, of course, the book of Revelation. Turn to Revelation chapter 1 and look at verse 5 and 6 with me, please. And I have completed the Bible, amen, or completed uh, this journey I'm going to take. Look at verse 5. It says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Good biblical words, amen. And folks, the Bible says unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. What is the Holy Spirit saying by repetition to us in the heart of the revelation? He's saying the same thing he said in the heart of the law. He's saying the same thing he said in the heart of the prophets. He's saying the same thing he said in the heart of the Psalms. He's saying the same things he said in the heart of the gospels. And he's saying the same thing he said in the heart of the epistles in the book of Revelation. He's saying that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all sin. Can somebody say amen? amen. Now the devil attacks the blood. Uh, if you don't believe it, look at the modern uh, versions. I call them perversions of the word of God. I mean the NIV and all the others. And I could ask Brother Jeremy, he could probably tell me, how many times the blood of Jesus is taken out of these translations? And I loosely say that. And it's pathetic that they take out the virgin born and they take out the blood of Jesus. Folks, that's essential because the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all sin. But Satan attacks it. He tries to take the song, the books about the blood out of the songbook. I, I noticed, uh, uh, heard just several years back, 
that the Methodists were taking all the songs about blood out of their song, their hymn books because it was too offensive. Well, I'm going to tell you something, friend. I'm offended by that. The blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin, and the blood of the doctrine of the blood of Jesus and the efficacy of the cross and the and, and the finished work of the cross and the sufficiency of the cross is our, our preeminent doctrine. And folks, I want to give you three things in closing about the blood. Number one, there's the promise of the blood. I went over a little bit about that, but uh, the first mention of the blood is found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, uh, when the Bible says that um, uh, they had to have a sacrifice. And uh, Genesis chapter 3, Three, verse 15 is the first uh, vision we see of the Lord Jesus Christ dying for our sins. It says, and I will put in between uh, thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and he shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. That's talking about Calvary. And folks, we need to see immediately after the sin, uh, man's sin, there was the promise of the Savior. And the promise is the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all sin. Uh, the first promise of the blood, the virgin birth, the Son of God is found in this verse. And folks, we see it all through the Bible. In Genesis chapter 4, uh, the first murder took place. And the only way that um, there was an atonement for that was, uh, or excuse me, was Abel offered a sheep and there was blood shed. Uh, Cain offered works, his own fruit, his labor, and that wasn't accepted. Cain got mad about that and killed his brother over it. And many people have died for the doctrine of the blood of Jesus. Amen? The Fox's Book of Martyrs is a bloody trail. Folks, the heritage of Baptist church is a bloody trail. And folks, it's because people stood for the blood. Animals have been slain all through the Old Testament. Every altar pointed to Calvary. Every lamb, every sacrifice pointed to Calvary. On the Day of Atonement, uh, what a picture that is of the, the priest taking off his scintillating, beautiful, jewel-clad robe. And on that particular day, he put on an old linen ephod, just an old white robe. That represented the humanity of Jesus. That, that, that represented the humiliation and huma uh, the humbleness of, of Jesus coming to this earth, God coming to this earth, born in a, uh, as, a, as a virgin and going to the cross of Calvary and dying for your sin. I imagine that old white robe was blood-stained. I mean, they probably had to burn it after the Day of Atonement. Research that and see what they did with it, Brother Jeremy. But I'm going to tell you this, friend. Thank God for the blood. And thank God that he came out from the glory and splendor of heaven and came down and, and became a man and died on the cross. And that is the message, amen. Every time that priest went into that holies of holies trembling uh, with, that, uh, with that sacrifice, that blood sacrifice, it was pointing to Calvary. Amen. Every prophecy, every type, every illustration, folks, God provided himself a perfect sacrifice. And thank God, friend, I want to tell you something. It was promised all through the Bible. Every, every chapter, you can see it almost. Jesus Christ, his son, shedding his blood. Then second of all, we see the blood is provided. The blood is provided. He provided the blood. In John chapter 1, verse 29, John's baptizing. And uh, he's baptizing in a river. That shows me you don't sprinkle uh, 
that is a poor picture of baptism. I've never seen anybody buried with a few clunks of dirt on their head. Burial is going under, amen? It's submersion, is biblical baptism. I appreciate the message Brother Jeremy preached a few weeks on why baptism does not save us. A lot of people believe that. That's a work. A work can never save you. But in John chapter 1, verse 29, the Bible says that the next day John seeing Jesus coming unto him and saying, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Folks, there's the blood, the Lamb of God, pointing back to every sacrifice. Exodus, they put the blood on the door lintel, uh, on the doorpost. And when they saw the blood, the death angel passed by. And the only way the death angel is going to pass by you and you go to heaven, is that the blood's been applied. Your works are not good enough, or we'd have a ladder to heaven. We have a cross to heaven. But better said, we have a lamb to heaven. We have a sacrifice to heaven. We have a blood-paved way to heaven, and it's the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. So God provided himself a perfect sacrifice, a perfect substitute, and perfectly satisfied God's judgment. For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Somebody had to die. God's law is firm. But folks, Jesus took your death. Go back to Isaiah chapter 53 real quick. I just want to show you one verse. Verse 10. What the Lord thought of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. In Isaiah 53, 10, 712 years before the fact. That's why I believe the Bible from kiver to kiver, as the old mountaineer said. Diego, I believe the Bible's the word of God. Because every prophecy's been fulfilled about his death, his birth, and his life. 1,500 years, 44 different authors, 66 different books, and not one contradiction in this book. I believe the book, don't you? But look at Isaiah 53, 10, about what the Lord thought about the sacrifice. And that's what counts. The Bible says, and yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. What's that saying? That the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all sin. And it says, he shall see his seed and shall prolong his days. There's the resurrection. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Oh, I got to read verse 11. It says, he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge, and shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Justified means justified, never sin. Folks, I want to tell you something. There's only one way to be forgiven, and that's through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, on the birth announcement, he said, the angel said, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, a Savior. Folks, listen, we get in by the Savior, not by our works. And then last but not least, I see the power of the blood. I like that song, Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Would you, or evil, a victory win? There's power in the blood. And folks, number one, there's a power to forgive you. You know, I don't know about you, but I was saved at 11 and a half years of age. I might have been... Twelve and a half years old. I got to. I got to research that. Nineteen sixty-three. But I do. I know this. I needed forgiveness just as much as my daddy, who was an alcoholic all his life, especially since the war, came back. I mean, disturbed and upset, and had the wrong crutch. 
and that was liquor every night. Praise God, he got saved when I was preaching at the age of 63, and he lived seven years. But I want to tell you something, I needed forgiveness just as much as my daddy needed forgiveness. Because my righteousness is filthy rags, the Bible says. There's none good enough to go to heaven. You'll never get to heaven by religion. You get uh, to heaven by relationship that makes you religious. You ought to be faithful because of the blood. You ought to be faithful because you're saved. But look at Ephesians chapter 1 uh, and verse 7. Ephesians 1 verse 7. The Bible says this. It says, In whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. You know what redeem means? He buys you off the slave block of sin. I want to tell you this, friend. If you were not saved, you'd be a puppet of hell. You'd be a slave to Satan. You'd be a slave to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You would want to live right, but you couldn't. There's no power within you. But when you get saved, the Spirit of God comes in your life. Not only is he a divine teacher, but he's a divine divine convictor. And he's a divine comforter. And I'll just say this, he's a divine enabler. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So there's power of forgiveness. Folks, he cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. Aren't you glad that your sorry life before you were saved is under the blood? Amen. Amen. And aren't you glad, Christian, that all the th- times if you confessed and forsook your sin, uh, he, he forgave your sins, and you don't have to worry about those past mistakes. And they're not just mistakes, they're sins. That's what's wrong with this world today. We try to reclassify sins. We try to reclassify and make it socially accepted. Call it an alternate lifestyle. Uh, call it uh, pro-choice. Folks, it's sin. It's sin. And folks, I thank God that the blood of Jesus can cleanse you from all sin. Every sin. The forgiveness of sin is according to his riches of his grace. I love that song, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. I've been singing it uh, for a long time. I mean, since I was a kid, uh, that was the theme song of our old Baptist church. And so there's power of forgiveness, and then there's a power of cleansing. In 1 John chapter 1, I just referred to that, but in verse um, uh, 7 it says, If we walk in the light as as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Our text, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all sin. But notice the next verse. It says, If we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Even after you get saved, you have a sinful nature. Say amen. Now, the charismatics believe that the old nature is eradicated when you're baptized with the Holy Ghost. Well, my Bible says that, folks, there is a warfare, Romans chapter 7, and Paul said, I want to do good, and I don't end up doing it. I don't want to do bad. And he said, woe is me, O wretched man that I am. He was talking about his old flesh. He's talking about the old nature. But 1 Peter chapter 1 says we have a divine nature. And so the Holy Ghost moves in when you get saved. I said when you get saved, amen. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit comes in your life when you're saved. You don't divide them up. And folks, I want to tell you something. When the Spirit of God comes in, folks, He convicts you of sin. Because look, at the Bible says in verse 9, if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Talking about the Christian now. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
Isn't it wonderful to take a shower on Saturday night? For you that just take them once a week. No, y'all take them once a week. Isn't it great when you work hard all day long and you just long for that shower? I mean, it's just cleansing, isn't it? I mean, outwardly. I love it. Praise God. I just work hard and then just come in and take a shower and then pass out in my lazy boy chair. Thank God there's nothing like it. But I want to tell you something. There's nothing like when you mess up, when you sin, when you're selfish, when you live by the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, and God the Holy Spirit convicts you. You ought to thank God for conviction. Folks, straight preaching on the blood of Jesus will bring conviction. Preaching the Word of God unapologetic but with authority from God will bring conviction. You ought to thank God for conviction. But folks, conviction is not to make you sorry in your sin or sorrow as those that have no hope, but it means godly sorrow. That means, thank God, you get under Holy Ghost conviction and you confess your sin. Now, what's confess mean? It means name it and call it what God calls it. See, confess don't mean, well, Lord, I just cussed and I'll do it again if, he, if, he, if she makes me mad. No, it's repentance. It's, Lord, I see that sin as you see it. I'll call it what you call it. I'll judge it like you judge it. And I, will, and I know that that sin puts you on the cross, that your precious blood will forgive me, but I'm willing to turn from my sin. Confess is much more than saying, hey, sin, confess, sin, confess, marry as I go. Shall grace abound, the Bible says in Romans. And so, folks, listen, I thank God for the power of conviction, but I thank, for the, I thank God for the power of cleansing. You ought to be right with God when you enter in this sanctuary. You ought to have your sins forgiven. You ought to ask God to forgive you on the way to church. You ought not just have the altar call at the end of the service. You ought to have an altar call before the service. Because you need to worship God in spirit and truth. He cleanses us. Then third of all, I see the power of reconciliation. Look at 2, Timothy, uh, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want you to look at verse 17. One of my favorite verses. And I, when I think of this verse, I think of the change in my daddy's life. Uh, when he got saved, he got a new want to. Now, he had some battles with sin, uh, even drinking. And he said his biggest battle was with the drug of nicotine. It was harder to give up smoking, he said, than it was liquor because he was so addicted to it. He, he fought it. and he, he went to church and he memorized scripture and he read the Bible and, um, and he overcame. I'm not saying he's perfect, but for seven years he lived for God. And I thank God I had a new daddy. You just want to run away from home. And I did run away from home. I ran away home several times. Got about three blocks away and got hungry. Came back on home. Amen. My mother wore me out for even thinking it. But praise God, I tell you what, uh, I thank God that when daddy got saved, I wanted to come home unannounced. And I wanted to catch him up past 7.30 at night because he'd always pass out in his plate. At, at supper time, we'd have to drag him to bed, and I'd, I'd come in late from Claxton, Georgia, where I was the associate pastor or youth pastor, and I'd catch him up reading his Bible and praying, and a smile on his face without drinking. And the next morning, I'd wake up and he'd be in the kitchen and telling mother he loved her. Folks, I want to tell you something. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. Put all things become new. Amen. Folks, he'll change your life. 
He'll change your want to. Don't say you're saved and there's no change. There's a drastic change. It's like getting married. You, you, it changes your life. Say amen right there. Having children. Can somebody say amen right there? It will change your life. Amen. Come on. Amen. It's wonderful. But I want to tell you something. I, li I like uh, the next verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says in verse 19, it says, To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, hath committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we're ambassadors for Christ, as though Christ did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. See, there was a great chasm of sin that nobody could cross, but Jesus crossed it for you. And the bridge over a wasted life is the cross. Amen? It's not some ladder. It's not some religion. It's not some reformation program. That's why we try to get the Word of God in the prisons, Brother Larry and Brother Steve. That's the only thing that's going to help those jail birds is they get saved in jail. Say amen. Ask Brother Larry. He was a member of the rat hole gang. And, and uh, thank God now he's saved and on the way to heaven and goes back to the jail and, and, and begs them to be saved. And folks, I want to tell you something. Colossians 1.20 says this, For having made peace through the blood of, his, of the, his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus you were sometimes who are far off, but are made nigh by the blood of Jesus. Last but not least, I see the power to redeem us. 1 Peter chapter 1 um, is the biggest rebuke, I think, uh, to religion there is. And it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, and we'll go. It says this. It says, For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver and gold, you can't buy salvation. You can't tithe your way into, into heaven. It says, From your vain conversation, that's your way of life, Received by the tradition from your fathers. That's religion. Religion will never save you. It'll make you miserable because you'll want to do right and you don't have the power to do it. But look at verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Folks, he has the power to redeem you, to buy you, your bought, with the infinite price and set free because the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses from all sin. From Genesis to Revelation, through type, through illustration, through prophecy, there's one message. And I believe it would be appropriate to remember this message as we remember those that's given their lives that we can have this freedom this morning. On this Memorial Day weekend, we ought to have a divine reminder that the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses from all sin. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the Word of God. Thank You for this reminder, this divine reminder through the Word of God. God, that You have the power to redeem us, to reconcile us, to cleanse us, to forgive us after we're saved. And even as we try to fellowship one with another, your blood cleanses from all sin. We have a fellowship with you. 
when we, when we fall out of fellowship and sin, God, we can come back to you claiming the blood and confessing our sins and forsaking our sins. And you're just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. Lord, thank you that we have a living relationship with a living God through your blood. Thank you, Lord, for every precious drop that was shed for me. And God forbid that we'd forget Calvary. God forbid that we'd forget Gethsemane. God forbid that we would uh, soon forget the greatest sacrifice that anyone's ever made for anyone. And that's Jesus Christ shedding His blood at Calvary's cross for our redemption. With every head bowed, every eye closed, how many say, Preacher, this morning... I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I'm under the blood. I'm glad that my sins are forgiven. I'm glad that my past, as far as the east and the west, I'm forgiven of that past. And I'm on the way to heaven because Jesus took my sin down and shed his precious, perfect blood for me. I know I'm saved. It's your testimony this morning. Would you raise your hand? It's a happy testimony of that all over this place. Nobody's looking. How many glad you saved, say amen. amen. Several could not raise your hand, and we don't do this to embarrass you. We do this because we love you. We started this church 43 years ago to see souls saved, to see people respond to the message that the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses from all sin. You say, preacher, I need cleansing. I need forgiveness. I want to go to heaven be with my loved one. I want to go to heaven and be with all the righteousness and joy and laughter and love and light of heaven. I don't want to go to hell. And I know there's only one way according to the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and that's through His blood. But I've never trusted Him as my personal Savior. You can't look back to a time where you realized you're a sinner, realized you couldn't save yourself, Realize he was the sacrifice. He is the lamb, and you trust him. There's not been a time like that. You said, preacher, but I want to be saved. Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer and then back down? Nobody will be looking, and I won't come to you, and nobody else will approach you. What we want to do is pray for you. You couldn't raise your hand that you're saved during the first part of this invitation, but you're concerned about it. It's called conviction. You say, please pray for me. Anyone? Slip your hand up and then back down. I'll pray for you. It's the most I can do for you. Let me say, preacher, I'm saved. But I want to be closer. I want to be, most, I want to be more faithful. And I want to be a testimony that the blood of Jesus does cleanse from all sin. And I, I, want, I, and I have some loved ones that I'm really concerned about. I'm not sure they're saved. They might be religious, but I'll tell you what is the Sunday school teacher taught, Brother Mark taught the glory class this morning, religion can be the greatest hindrance to being saved. And he's, he's, he's speaking as an ex-Catholic. But you'd say, preacher, I know someone that I'm very concerned about. And I want my life to be a testimony. And I want you to pray with me for them to be saved by the blood of Jesus. Would you slip your hand up on their behalf? All over this place, amen. God bless you.
It's great. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this wonderful service that we've remembered men and ladies that's given their lives for this freedom to worship. God, for the precious time that we can present a Bible to two people that I really love personally and almost count as family. God, to these young people wanted a Bible. The Lord, it's been precious. But God, I believe the greatest time of the service is the preaching. Not because I preach, but because of the Word of God teaches us over and over again that the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses from all sin. God, what a reminder it is for us to be Your ambassador, Your witness. God, to be Your child, to be Your soldier in this battle. So Lord, make us more faithful. I pray for those who could not raise their hand. Dear Lord, they'd be saved before it's too late. Even this morning, they could come. We can show them in the Bible how to be saved. And God, for all the people who raise their hand for loved ones that are not saved, God, use their testimony. Use their faithfulness. Use their conviction about the blood to wring conviction in their heart. We'll praise you for saving them. In Jesus' name.